Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Throne of grace to impart every hearer and cause them to be changed and transformed by the power of your spoken word. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Can we rejoice this morning? Warming up, you know, we're warming up. <laughs> Can you take it a notch higher? Let's rejoice in this room. Glory! All right, now that you're warmed up, let's do the <laughs> let's do the the main thing, right? Are you ready to lose your voice for Jesus? <laughs> Amen. Shout like you are interested in losing your voice. <laughs> let's give the Lord a big shout! God, let's have our seat in God's presence as we get ready to receive again from God's word. Amen. Open your Bibles to the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1. Thessalonians is right after Chronicles. People said I should leave Habakkuk alone. Uh, my favorite guy, Habakkuk. All right. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 from verse 3. You know, this teaching series has been so profound. I, I know that. It's been really, really powerful. And it's delivered a lot of people, you know. It's inspired a lot of lives and delivered a lot of people. And has just been a huge blessing. So I would encourage you to share these teachings and just let it bless people. Because a lot of folks are living in fear. A lot of people literally are governed by fear. The spirit of fear. Alright, but God has given us a liberating word that can really help people out of that situation. Bible says the fear of death is what keeps people in bondage all their lives. So even though they are living, they are really not living because they are under the bondage and the spell of the fear of death. And so this is a liberating word that we should push as much as we can. Can we celebrate the beckoners? That was such a prophetic and powerful spirited session. God bless your heart. Let's do that better. These guys, these guys do a very... They do a lot to minister to us every Sunday. It's, it's such a blessing and a joy to be blessed by their ministry. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 from verse 2. If I go ahead, I'd like to just, on behalf of a number of us, share some testimonies of deliverance. Amen. God is good. All right. One of us was involved, well, partially, not like his own vehicle, but his you know, he was in a convoy and one of those vehicles had an accident. It was really bad, really, really bad, really bad. But we thank God for the preservation of life. Really, really thank God for that. Just over the night, one of us called me, you know, the house just beside them was raised down by fire. 
somehow the Lord, somehow or the other, the Lord preserved her own house. And I'm sure a lot of us have testimonies of deliverance like that. We're going to get there in the course of this teaching because it's very instrumental to what we're going to be sharing today. And especially the things that the choristers were sharing as well while they were ministering to us. Don't, don't casualize any part of service, amen? Don't casualize any part of service. Opening charge, even the games, don't casualize them. They are spirited. They have latent power. If you latch on it by faith, it can bless you. It can bless you. It's like the jawbone of an ass anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost. It can kill. <laughs> jawbone of an ass lying down there. What can it do? When you carry it and you superimpose and wield it with the power of the Spirit, boy, that thing is powerful. And so it's important that when you come to service, understand that this service is packaged for me. And do not discount, casualize, or be very flippant about any part of service. You can be blessed from the moment you step into this assembly. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, so the power of God's deliverance is very palpable in our midst. And we just want to say thank you, Lord. We give you praise for preserving our lives. And we send forth relief to everyone who may have been affected by any of those incidences in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 from verse 3, the Bible says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. He says, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you towards each other, he says, it abounds, it abounds. He says, we are bound to give thanks regarding you, brethren, as it's meet, because your faith grows exceedingly. And he says, your love for one another abounds. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. Bible says, now abide faith, hope, and love. He says, these three, and the greatest is love. Now, these three things are eternal virtues in essence. They're eternal. And so it is possible for faith to increase. Amen. The Bible here is making it very clear that you can grow in faith. It says you can grow in faith and you can abound in love. Hallelujah. Because number one, they are eternal things. You don't get to the end of an eternal thing. You can increase in your knowledge and understanding of a thing that is eternal, but you cannot get to the end of it. It's not finite. It has no boundary of limitation. It is eternal. It has a ground floor, but it has no ceiling. Praise God. And so God has dealt to every man the ground floor of faith, the measure of faith, but he has removed the ceiling. Mm, praise God. That is, there is a minimum amount of faith that every believer has, according to Romans 12, verse 3. We have been dealt the measure of faith. That is, every one of us has the measure of faith. However, it's a measure. I like the fact that the word measure was used. That is indicative of the fact that it can grow. The measure of faith. We have all been dealt the measure of faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Please, can we help with Tiara? Thank you. The measure of faith. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. The measure of faith. Now, because faith, hope, and love are eternal in essence, so you can grow in them. The second reason why you can grow in faith is because of how faith is distributed. 
the channel of distribution of faith, Bible says, Romans 10 verse 17, for faith comes by hearing. It says it comes by hearing. That means the faith that comes by hearing adds to the faith you possessed before you heard. Because faith was released after you heard. So faith comes by hearing. So the more you hear, the more faith is distributed and channeled in your direction. So the mode of delivery that faith adopts is suggestive of the fact that it can grow. Because faith comes by hearing. It keeps coming by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So faith can grow. That, that's powerful. My faith can grow. My faith tomorrow should be bigger than my faith today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you say to yourself, my faith grows mightier. Say it with faith in your heart. Say my faith grows mightier. Mightier. Say my faith grows mightier. Now say my hope is built stronger. Ah, you're not saying with gusto. Say my hope is built stronger. And now shout it, say my love abounds. Glory to God. Faith can grow. Your faith can grow mightier tomorrow than it is today. Your hope can be built stronger tomorrow than it is today. Your love can abound more tomorrow than it is today. My faith grows mightier. My hope is built stronger. My love abounds more and more. Hallelujah. Can you say that again? Say my faith grows mightier. Say, my hope is built stronger. And I'll say, my love abounds more. Glory to Jesus. And so, Paul is saying here that he's given thanks on behalf of the Thessalonians because their faith grew exceedingly. That means they must have been hearing exceedingly. Uh, if your faith is growing exceedingly, you have been attending to the depth of distribution. You have been going to where faith is distributed. Faith is distributed at the instance of hearing the word. Because faith comes. How faith is distributed is that it comes by hearing and by hearing by the word of God. So the moment I start hearing the word of God, faith is coming to me. Hallelujah. I'm growing in faith. I'm building my hope. I'm abounding in love. Glory to God. Can you pray in the Holy Ghost for a few seconds right now? Because what I'm speaking to you, they are not English. They are spirit and life. If all you hear is the English component, you have not really heard. It is spirit and life. So you need to get your spirit prepared to receive. Your faith can grow. Me brindo buzalika ponde kere, mambra ila sutandre kele dioka, rapele sutazike, liban brokopeli and the kosher. Glory to God. I want my face to grow. Shadra tapasiete, lekampare tendo kaba. For in Jesus' name we pray. When your face doesn't grow, fear becomes dominant. Fear becomes dominant. Because that little faith that dealt with that fear once, that did not grow, the devil will go and sophisticate his system to come against that same faith after a while. And because your faith did not grow, it couldn't match the intensity of the new temptation that the devil brought. Because your faith did not grow. Your faith stayed dormant. 
plateaued at a point. And so he couldn't deal with the sophistication of the wiles of the enemy. Your faith did not grow. The only chance that you will not backslide and veer off the path of faith is if your faith continues to grow. Can I stay on the same level of faith yesterday, today, and forever? No. You've got to grow your faith. Tell your neighbor, grow your faith. Grow your faith. Tell your neighbor, build your hope. And tell your neighbor again, abound in love. These three, eternal in nature. You can't get to the end of it. There is the minimum supply, but there is no maximum. Hallelujah. There is a minimum supply. Everybody has been given the ground floor. The measure of faith. But then, break the roof. Go as far as you can. Get as much more as you can. Hallelujah. Now, there are three dimensions. I'm going to explain this. Of course, there are Greek components to this. But I'll just like to explain it in a way that all of us here can understand. There are three dimensions to the kind of faith, all right, that can impart your spiritual experience. Let me put it this way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? John chapter 17 verse 3, Bible says, This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is eternal life. The knowledge of God, which is packed in the word of God, is what imparts faith. I need you to understand this. The knowledge of God, which is what the word of God is, that is what imparts faith. The reason why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God is because the word of God is packages of the knowledge of God. Amen. So what you are hearing and learning when you hear God's word is the knowledge of God. What you hear when you hear my word is the knowledge of me. And so when God wants to communicate his knowledge to you, he sends you his word. That word contains eternal life. When that word is administered in your direction and you receive it into your heart, what is imparted to you is faith. So when you hear and receive the life of God, you don't need to measure the faith barometer in your spirit. Your faith is growing. It's like when you take a meal. You don't need to check the calories. Something is entering inside your body. It's called nutrients. It's repairing worn out tissues. It's providing energy. It's giving you life. That is what faith is like. And so once you receive from the knowledge of God's word, via the administration of God's word, you are receiving packets of faith into your spirit man. Amen. You're receiving packets of faith. Because this is eternal life that it may know thee. The only true God. This is why it is faith that pleases him. Because it is knowing him that pleases him. Do you understand? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God without faith. The reason is because you cannot have faith without knowing God. Because the only way to know God is to receive his word. And when you receive his word, faith comes with that word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how faith is administered into you is by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Because when you hear and hear God's word, what you're doing is you're learning and learning the knowledge of God. And who is the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is Jesus. 
Hebrews chapter 1. He being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. He is the brightness of God's glory. God's explanation is Jesus. Who is God? Jesus. Hallelujah. Explain God. Jesus. He is the way to the Father. He is the truth about the Father. He is the life of the Father. Praise God. So powerful. John chapter 14 verse 6. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by him. He is the way to the Father. He is the truth about the Father. And he is the life of the Father. So when God wants to give you his life, he hands you over Jesus. Who is this Jesus? The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. In the beginning was this word. The word was with God and the word was God. So the life of God is contained in the knowledge of God. Who is Jesus? Who is the word of God? Revelation 19, 13. He had his vesture dipped in blood. And there was a name written on him. He said his name is called the word of God. His name is the word. So every time you neglect the word, you've neglected Jesus. He's the word. And every time you neglect the word, you're neglecting an opportunity to receive faith. To grow in faith. It's called your faith walk. Hallelujah. You are bound in faith. You grow in faith. But it's not all types of the knowledge of God that can impart the kind of faith that fear cannot break down. There is the awareness knowledge. There is the awareness knowledge. The way atheists are aware of God, even though they like not to acknowledge it, everybody is aware of God. God has sent forth a conscience. That conscience does not answer to you, but it's inside you. It answers to a kingdom that installed it in you. It's like a police officer that begins to tell you when you are violating the moral objectivity of the one who has sent him. That's the conscience. Everybody instinctively, subconsciously is aware of God. Everybody. There's nobody on earth that does not know there is a God. If you can think, you know there is God. You know. There is no such thing as a design without a designer. There is no such thing. We know instinctively that if I came to this world and I have nine systems operating concurrently, seamlessly in my body without affecting any part. Everything is, I don't even know the dimensions of what I carry within my members. Somebody put it there. Ensure the cells are working. Ensure the tissues are connected. Ensure that all the organs are working in tandem. And ensure that I can wake up and think and process life and logic. Somebody is in charge of that administration. He's God. He's God. We all know this. Everybody is aware of God. If you break God down into components, what you will realize that God means is standard. Anything that is not standardized is meaningless, cannot be useful. Everywhere you get to, and people are trying to create a structure so that it can be a standard, that's them acknowledging that God exists. <laughs> Without God, chaos everywhere. Anywhere you see a place, you know, they're trying to ensure that there's standard, there's order, there's administration, there's hierarchy. What's hierarchy? Who is hierarchy? It's God. 
He standard himself. And everywhere he is removed, whether secularly or spiritually, that thing can no longer continue to sustain itself. Anything that is void of God cannot self-perpetuate. Can't. So if you see organizations, they may not acknowledge God, but they derived something from him to continue to exist. The way you have also derived some life from God so that you can continue to walk the face of this earth. Because it is spirit that imparts life to mortal bodies. He says, Bible says, even the same way body is dead without spirit. He says, even so faith without works is dead. So if God did not breathe into man the breath of life, none of us would be alive. Hallelujah. So there is an awareness of God that everybody possesses. They may not want to acknowledge it, but they possess it. Awareness. The awareness of God is not sufficient to impart faith. Now, there's another level of knowledge. It's specific knowledge that comes as a result of being taught. You have exposed yourself to a body of knowledge via the instrument of teaching, and then you know about something. You know about God. You have been taught God. Someone sat you down and explained God to you and said, this is God 101. This is God 102. This is God 203. This is God 505. And then you were learning about God, albeit in a philosophical, theoretical context. It imparts a level of understanding, but not the kind of faith that is sufficient to break down the wall of fear in your life. Because anyone with a more sophisticated argument will break, break down all your convictions and assurances. Because at the level of intellectual understanding, that's the level you received your understanding about God. So with a higher sophistication of intelligence and argument, your own argument for God will come crashing down. And you'll start having questions. Also, an unorthodox or unexpected situation in your life can crash your faith. Because all you knew about God was what they told you. Are you with me, guys? This was the challenge with Job. He said, I've been hearing about you with the hearing of my ears. People have been telling me about you. So people said I was a man of God. People said I was a child of God. But all I knew about you were the things that were handled or handled and handed down to me by middlemen. They received from God, broke it down in a way that they could understand, and they began to hand it over to me. And then that was all I knew about God. I never had a personal encounter. So I knew God theoretically through frameworks and structures and through what I heard from men of God. Now that there is a situation that comes to confront my theology, I cannot hold up. My faith is about to crash. Some people are only in faith until something really bad happens. That's why their faith crashed. Because their faith was at the level of intellectual consent, mental accent. Oh, well, you know, this God must exist, you know, because they taught me this, taught me that. They made me realize that, okay, there are three bases to justify the transcendent moral objectivity about God. You know, you understand these things. You've read books. But when push comes to shove and life hits you hard, you can't defend your faith. You can't. Hallelujah. Now, there's a third level of faith, which is called experiential knowledge experiential knowledge this kind of faith cannot be threatened by fear you can't it's too late it's too late 
Hallelujah. You see, with that second level of faith or knowledge, which imparts the kind of faith that is consistent with the level of knowledge that you have, there is a limitation to how far and how compelling your life would be. You will not live with a certain level of unfettered authority, boldness, and assurance. You will live almost second-guessing everything because you are not sure. There is a kind of faith and conviction that a type of knowledge confers. I hope you're with me tonight or this morning. Tonight always just sounds prophetic. <laughs> Have you noticed? Tonight, <laughs> you know, feels <laughs> the anointing. But morning is still... <laughs> so a lot of preachers make that mistake a lot. They say, tonight, tonight. <laughs> and you always preach on Sunday mornings, but somehow tonight always comes inside. <laughs> Praise God. Experiential knowledge. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. Because it's beyond what you heard. It's beyond what you think. It's what you have handled. It says, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, we started by hearing. Then he said, we began to see it. Then we began to look upon it. But that was not even enough. He said, we handled it. Even when Jesus was with them, they had not handled it. The presence of Jesus was not sufficient for handling. It is the energized, superimposive influence of the Holy Ghost. That makes for handling the word. Ha! Ah, he says the things that was from the beginning. That which we have heard. The things we have seen. The things we have looked upon. That which our hands have handled. Of the word of life. There is a level of hearing the word. There is a level of seeing the word manifest in the lives of those who have handled the word. But there is a level of handling the word yourself. So. Peter was drowning in the presence of a Jesus. The presence of Jesus does not impart this, light, this type of faith. He <laughs> was in the presence of Jesus. The presence of a Jesus whose word you will not believe will do you no good. I'll say that again. The physical presence of a Jesus whose word you will not believe will do you no good. What God wants to convert into experiential knowledge is the very word of God. He, he didn't say we have handled Jesus. He says we have handled the word of life. We've turned it from word to life. We have handled this thing. So the person who drowned in the presence of Jesus, who denied Jesus in the lifetime of Jesus, was the same one when Jesus was no longer there to save, rescue them. In the presence of intimidation and threats, he stood his ground and defied the Sahandrian council to their face. It does not matter, exaggerate the consequence for our preaching by a thousand percentile. We still will not care to give you a response on this matter. He began to mirror the language of the three Hebrew boys. We are not careful about this one. We cannot stop to communicate, to teach the things we are saying. The things we have handled. We can't. It's too late. Fear dies at the altar of experiential knowledge. Fear dies. The God does not exist. 
I don't want that. I may not be able to argue with you intellectually. But in my life, if you visit with me, if you will walk with me for some days, I won't need to say a word. You will be like, I'll be like, say, God, deal. There is a life that will be imparted. It's experiential knowledge. It's not English language. It's experiential knowledge. Experiential knowledge. That a whole cabinet will gang up to, to deal with you, one man, Daniel. And there's no risk. You don't understand. There's no risk. Daniel said, you want to <laughs> me. And he went to open his windows. I'm sure he had not been doing that before. He defied them. He opened his windows. All of them saw him. What kind of a man is that? Experiential knowledge. Knowledge that is beyond explanation. You have seen it. You have tested it. Have you seen the kind of words God begins to use with the word of God? He says, those that have tested the good word. That is, God's word is not designed only to be heard. You must test it. There is a testing the word. There is a handling of the word. There is a faith that handling confers. There is a faith that handling confers. There is a faith that handling confers. Who can tell me that healing went with the time of the apostles? Who can tell me that now? Who can come and convince me that? You see, based on, you know, Acts, you know, John, you know, Mark, and does all the exegesis. With all his exegesis, I can't believe him. Because I've been healed before. I've been healed. When doctors said this guy will die, I was healed. How do I deny what I experienced? How? How? God's word is not designed to just stay on the letter. It's supposed to become life. And then it encapsulates your dimensions, your life. You are walking and you are carrying tokens of power right in your body because you have just not visited a book. You have carried a life with you. That's where we all need to get to. So that fear will just die. You don't understand. You, there is, it does not matter the level of threat that fear comes with. That level of faith does not bow. It does not bow. We will multiply the heat in the fire seven times. That heat will kill the strongest men in the army. But we will still not bow. It does not matter. In fact, if you like, jump into the fire with them. We will still not bow. Sorry. We know this God beyond reading our Bibles. We have seen him. We have handled him. It's beyond a lecture to us. He's alive. When the apostles grabbed hold of this dimension of knowledge, their faith, oh dear God, it skyrocketed. With great power. After they had been threatened, then they just, they just entered another gear. Don't you understand? <laughs> the the, 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 the Council thought that they could limit their intensity by threatening them. Only for them to come back with much more power. So they went back to their company and asked for. Then they prayed according to Psalms 2. And by the end of that prayer, oh dear God. The entire foundation of that building, Bible says, it was shaken. And with great power. What? The apostles gave witness of that which had been recorded. And the Bible says, great grace was upon them all. Great grace. There is, there's, there's a level of, of life that you need to contact. There's a level of life you need to contact. 
can you pray in tongues again for the next few seconds? Greta Palata. Lord, make me much more than just a preacher. Make, make me a live wire for the anointing. Make me a live wire. Make me much more than just a hearer. Let me be a carrier of the anointing. Ah, Lord, help my life. Let me be a handler of the word of life. If we are still begging you to come to church, it's because you have not contacted his life. Oh, dear God. It's beyond, oh, let me just come and hear. We have heard, we have seen, we have looked upon. Our hands have handled it. This word of life is beyond the sermon. It's a life we live. It's a life we live. It's a life we live. In Jesus' name. There is a surgeon. Three surgeons. Salah is surgeon one. Tade is surgeon two. Minister Ebube is surgeon three. No, let me make a lady the surgeon three before they come after me. So yeah, surgeon three. Tade is two. Minister Ebube is one. Surgeon one is aware of surgery. He knows what surgery means. He knows surgery is to cut a human body open do some things inside, join wire inside. <laughs> Close it up, sew it, sew it, <laughs> sew it. Use scissors, needle thread, anything you can try use to sew. He's aware of the understanding around surgery. Surgeon two has gone to the school of medicine and surgery. He knows the theoretical frameworks that govern surgery. He knows step 1 to 32 regarding how to perform a successful surgery. That's surgeon 2. Surgeon 3 has done open heart surgery for 250 patients over a career that has spanned 25 years. You are in need of surgery. Who will you go Two for surgery. Minister Ebubi Abi. Shabi surgery. Surgery you want. Which part is pepening you? Don't lie down. Don't worry. Cut last <laughs> <laughs> Alright. You just cut it. Stop shouting. You don't need anesthesia. Don't worry. I'm an expert. <laughs> That's the way we we'll do the surgery. Because he's only aware. Then Sojourn 3 has specific knowledge. She knows, she understands the frameworks, the undergarding principles. <laughs> but she never entered theater before. She's never done one. Then the day she's supposed to do one, she's shaking like this. Where do I start from? Oh, but you've read it now. Uh-uh. Oh, go enter theater and do something. Where is the brain again? She forgets everything. But this third guy, after 250 successful surgeries, he enters into the theater. He knows exactly what to do. Exactly. He's done it too many times. He's done it too many times. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. 
Therefore, being justified by faith, he says, we have peace with God in Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus. He says, by whom also we have access into this grace or into this faith by grace. Um, how does it put it? By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And he says, and we rejoice in tribulations. For we know that tribulations work what? Patience. And it says patience, what? Experience. Experience is what works hope. Hope makes not ashamed. For the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That means there is something experience does. There is something experience does. But patience is what precedes experience. Listen, when you are dealt God's word, when you are dealt God's word, what you have been dealt is the seed of God's word. When you patiently attempt to do it, you may fail sometimes. You see, patience is the stubbornness of the spirit man to insist on the outcomes that the word predicts in spite of contrary evidences. That's patience. It's the stubbornness of the spirit man to insist on the outcomes that scripture predicts in spite of contrary evidences. Are you hearing this? That's patience. So, patience continues to believe that what God said is true. I'm the one that is not getting how to apply it. I will soon get it. He's doubling, but he's trying to get it. Once he gets it, and then he repeats it, it works experience. This experience is what gives him a strategic assurance about the future. This experience. That I, I know this thing. Your servant was in the wilderness. The lion came. The bear came. I dealt with them by applying the truth of God's word that I've always known. It formed in me experience. This experience is what guarantees my hope that this Goliath would also come down like one of them. That is the architecture of faith. Once that hope is there, Bible says love takes over the entire crevices of your heart. And when love is perfected, fear dies. First John chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, fear has torment. But it says, perfect love casts out all fear. So how are you perfected in love? When hope is allowing by the power of the Holy Ghost to be shed abroad in your heart. When love rather is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Which is a consequence of the hope that has been produced by experience. So challenges in life they are training fields to exercise patience don't shout and cry why is the bear and the lion coming no deploy them as your rehearsals those are your rehearsals when the lion and the bears come excitedly look forward to applying the word so that you can gain experience after you have perfected the art in your experiences, it gives you guaranteed hope. 
Bible says hope maketh not ashamed. That is, you can make a boast in hope. In a way that, you see, it cannot be annulled. It cannot be reversed. The things you have said cannot be undone. Because you are speaking from a place of certainty. You have seen it. You have experienced it. You have handled it. This word is not theory. It's not something someone taught me. I taught them out of the lion. I taught them out of the bear. This Goliath shall be like one of them. Imagine he came to Saul and started saying, you see, Goliath, I've studied him. Studied him. So he's a nine-foot-tall guy. He's been a warrior since he was a child. I know his weaknesses. Have you fought before? Not quite. You see, I've been in the university all my life right now. Okay, so um, I just graduated. This is the first official encounter I'm going to be having. Oh. I see. Uh... How do we help you now? How do you want to die, actually? <laughs> because you are not going to survive this one. You studied Goliath. <laughs> okay. Have you fought a Goliath before? No, 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 not quite. Have you fought anything before? Cat, dog? No, not, not quite. It's Goliath you want to start with. Oh, I see. So the day cancer comes... And you have never healed headache. Never healed malaria. You want to now walk up the faith that can deal with cancer. Cancer will slap that person. That's the truth. Because experience has not worked hope. Hope never fails. Hope maketh not ashamed. Ah! That is if you enter the boxing ring. You have made all the mouth because hope was inside. You don't leave the ring ashamed. Goliath will die that day. The head will be cut off that day. Look at the language that David was speaking with. He said, you, I will kill you. And wait, oh, let me explain to you how you will die. So that you, you will not need to be alive to see how your funeral will go. Let me explain it to you now. I will cut off your head. I will feed it to the fowls of the air. Then I will carry this head when the carcass is done. I will carry it, put it in my chambers. As an eternal memorial that I dealt with your father one day. After he spoke like that, Goliath was this thing. He said, you people did not even have someone decent to send to me. Let's, let's just humor this one. I want to humor David. David ran to him. He didn't wait. He said, this one, let's not waste too much time, please. He ran. Dealt with Goliath. One sling, one. The dexterity of hope. One sling. It didn't take more than one shot. One. Goliath was down. He was down. He had built altars. The title of my teaching today is Altered Journeys. Altar there is not A-L-T-E-R. You know the altar I'm talking about. He had built altars across the landscape of his journeys. Hi. So by the time anything that looks like a type of problem that he had solved in the past, he would just take off the altar. He would just take off that experience. Energize it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Utterance, inspired utterance, and then release it. The devil cannot stay standing. He can't. He will come falling down. The challenge is that we are not sensitive to our altars. We're not sensitive to them. We don't create altars. We don't create memorials around the victories of the past. 
We don't. We are so quick to forget them. Those are your weapons in the days of battle. Those are your weapons. Those are your weapons. Those are your weapons of experiential knowledge. That if you will stay around an altar. You see, you don't, you don't hurry around an altar. Have you noticed? There is a protocol around an altar. There is a way. There is a procession. There, you know, they talked about how Elijah made the altar. It's not a bed. He has a way to make it. There is a protocol. There's a way you arrange it. There's a number of stones that must be there. There is a way you must pour the water. There is a way the fire must fall. There is a ceremony around altars. The challenge is that when altars, altar moments show up in our journeys, we just move on as, as if it was just another day. Ah! You just passed through Bethel and you did not see angels coming down and rising. You did not see it. In your mind, it was just another night. Whereas that was an altar. That was an altar. A memorial must be built. The faculty of God that governs encounters and dimensions is called the name of God. Every time you encounter God, what God will introduce to you is a name. It is the names of God that govern encounters. You can't have an encounter of God and you will not live with the name of God. So until you milk out the name that governed that experience, don't leave that altar. What appeared to me in this place? What appeared? Is it Jehovah Jireh? Is it Nisi? Is it Shama? Is it Seboath? Who appeared? Because God cannot appear to you in all of his glory. You will not survive it. Your life is too limited to accommodate the whole bandwidth of the essence of God. So he introduces to the degree of your need a dimension in himself. And then he signatures it with a name. And he says, take this one. But it's supposed to be a seed <laughs> that will broker to you victories in the future. But then you, you forgot the signature. You forgot, you forgot the altar. If I look at your life, it is littered with altars. But some people did not build it. They didn't build those altars. God will never leave you without an altar. Never. There are things you didn't pray for, but it's an altar. If you camp around that altar and begin to give thanks and remember. And just remember the things God did. Things that he brokered without your own permission. You didn't have enough faith to receive that kind of a breakthrough. But God did it and you, you forgot. Ah, you just forgot. See, I build altar. Say, Lord, help me. And you thank God. And you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this deliverance. Where would I be without you? And you build an altar there. Remember what they were singing earlier. You've done everything for me. But how many of the things he has done can you remember? How many? How many? How many can you remember? Your journey must be littered with altars. And for everything you will face in your future, there is an altar to respond. There is an altar. You will just go to the altar component of that problem you are facing. And then you bring it. You do the formation, you release it. Nothing can stand it. It is the kind of faith that experience gives. The dexterity of hope. That hope maketh not ashamed. Bible says they looked upon him and they were lighted. And their faces were not ashamed. 
There is no type of sickness that my body wants to experience that by the faith that I've received in my altars over the years that I cannot heal in my own body. Oh. <laughs> Amen. There is nothing. What is it? The devil should shoot his best shot. By the grace of God, I will deal with it. By the grace of God. Because I have too much altars around Jehovah was What's, what's that one? The heels. Rafa. Yes, that's it. Too many encounters with Rafa. Too many. It's the same answer. God doesn't have to go and gym to deal with a new one. It's the same God. It's the same name. There is a name that governs encounters. So what is the name of God you encountered in your last altar? Do you know it? Because when you check the patriarchs of old, when they had encounters, they named it. They named it according to the name they received in that encounter. They don't just say God. What's God? This one is Nisi. So while I was in university, and I'm going to be just ending with this story so you can understand. I was in university and I, was, I became the senior pastor of the second largest fellowship on campus at 21. First year, part three. The person who had just left was such a mighty man of God. He was the COP assistant coordinator. And by that time, he was the acting coordinator and president of the committee of all presidents on campus. So this guy was perhaps the most influential figure on campus at the time. And he happened to be the pastor of Castle. And now, and of course, the age gap was pretty intense. <laughs> like eight or nine or something like that. And this was a 21-year-old boy to take his place. So the first event I was going to organize was going to be the household retreat, all right, at the fellowship. It was the biggest event that Cassarite had to do every year. There was household retreat and then there was come and see. The next one was household retreat. And I was going to preach at the household retreat. Me, preach. What do I have to say? In that moment, as we're planning for the event, I was overwhelmed. Honestly, I said, I can't do this thing. You know, before I became pastor, God was giving me tashere, tashere revelation here and there. So I will write it in my journal. I'd written like seven sermons, you know. Seven, like, ah, this one, first one, she hit them with this one. The second one. But here I became the pastor, I weak. I went, to, I went out to all the sermons. I said, which one can I use? None of them was sufficient. Like, which one do I want to start? What kind of revelation is this one now? I know what I've been hearing from my man of God for the last time. What is this one? What's this? So I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do. And in that moment, the word of God came to my spirit. And it was loud as a siren. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hiya, Jehovah Shammah. The Lord who is there. He's not around. He's there. Right in the midst of your overwhelming situation, he's there. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That was all he told me. I cried that morning. I think I was in a bus actually by myself. I cried. I said, thank you, Lord. That Sincerely, that is what has sustained my life till this moment. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That was 2011. By 2015... Another season was upon me. <laughs> this time my heart was in distress. 
I really was just overwhelmed by several things. I can't go into all of the details. And then one of our patrons back in Calabar, NCCF, Reverend Nsa Eyo, University of Calabar, he just called all the executives to his office. Hallelujah. Sometimes just thinking about this thing makes me very emotional. He just called us into his office. He has this ball of paper on his table. All right? Some of the people here can bear witness because they know this man I'm talking about. He has this ball of scriptures. He just had plenty of scriptures on, you know, in papers inside this bowl on his table in his office. So every time people come around in his office, he will give them a word. He will just tell them to choose any paper from the pool of verses of scripture. And then I picked one. Guess the verse of scripture. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Went back to my hostel that day and I was like, God, the strength that came into my spirit. Nobody gave me money. Nobody gave me an appointment. The word became a living thing. It energized my spirit. Till today, I'm still being sustained by that word. By that word. He's there. Guess what, guys? If I come next week and nobody shows up, I will not be discouraged. By the grace of God. My leaders know. Small meetings are my best. It's not because I don't want to blow. But because I've understood that God is there. He's always there. His presence is worth much more than 10 billion people in my audience. His presence is there. He's there. It's an altar in my journey. I can't begin to tell you about the healing journey. There was a day I was preaching one day. That was at OU. And this was a day God was going to show me that he anointed me. So it was, a, you know, an evening meeting. Um, what do we call that meeting at UJCM? Prayer meeting. During exams, we'll gather, everybody will gather. And it was raining cats and dogs that day. It was bad. And it was membole. It had no covering. It was the other side of membole, not even the one that was covered. The other side. And I don't remember why we didn't use the, I don't even remember, but it was the one that did not have a covering that we were using that day. It was raining really bad. But people had known that I was the one coming to preach. So they stayed in the rain. They stayed in the rain. And they were standing under the rain. Ah, never seen that kind of thing in my life. And then the moment I was called up, God is my witness. The rain stopped. Stopped. I don't know if it was raining anywhere else, whether like Gary Mayfair or whatever. But while we were there, some people can remember some of these places. <laughs> while we were there, remember, not one drop while I was teaching. The moment I finished, we couldn't give announcement. Me, Sev, ran. <laughs> Do you understand? As I finished preaching, the way, it was as if the rain was, it wanted to fall, but something was holding it. The moment I was done teaching, and not, while I was teaching, not one single drop. The moment I was done, the rain just broke out. And I was like, what is the meaning of this? And he said, it's to show you that I called you. To just show you that my hand is on you. Did you pray for this to happen? No. It's to just show you that my hand is doing and I, and I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord. I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I built an altar around that. The very first one million I, I had in my account, I gave it. The day I went back home that day, I cried. Not because the team paid me, even though it pained me. <laughs> the team paid me, paid me. Let's be honest. 
you pay me. <laughs> they, they, they are so in tears. Uh, you pay me, go. <laughs> Do you understand? But that day I said, thank you. I said, because you have made me bigger than one million. Whatever you are able to give, you are bigger than it. That's what it means. So some of you that cannot give, is because that thing is bigger than you. You can't give it. You are not lord over it. That's why. You can't give it. You know, how can I give? You have exalted that thing above you. That's what you have done. So that day I received revelation that thank you, Lord, for making me bigger than one millionaire. Thank you, Father. And I cried and I built an altar there. In your journey, you must have your entire journey littered with altars. These altars create experience. This experience provides you with hope. This hope makes you not ashamed. It is this hope you enter the future with. That nothing is capable in my future to bring me down to my knees. Nothing. If I will bow before God, I won't bow before men. And you will enter into the future with assurance of faith. That I know the thoughts that he has towards me. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To bring me. That is the thoughts of God are powerful enough to carry you. To bring me. Into an expected end. It's hope. This hope makes not ashamed. Because the love of God has been perfected in your heart. By the Holy Ghost. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Three things you need to do. Number one. Journal your experiences. And your breakthroughs. Journal them. That's how you build altars. You worship at that place. Don't just move along. No. Don't move along. Write it down. Trap it into a realm. Write it. Give the recording. Like record that testimony. Capture it somewhere. Don't just let it just go like that. Capture it somewhere. Write it down. When God saved me from accidents, I can't even begin to tell you all the altars. Kidnaps. Asthma. Accidents. And the Lord saved me. What wants to come at me in the future? Tell me now. What does the devil want to invent? No weapon formed, fashioned, orchestrated, targeted against you shall be able. It's not because they don't want to prosper. They will not be able to prosper. They won't be able to. Your, your journey is full of altars. So you journal, you write them down. You write them down. Number two, you testify. You look for somebody to become a victim of your testimony. Come here. Let me share my testimony with you. Sit down there. I was in the wilderness. The lion and the bear came. I tore the mouth of the lion and the bear. You testify. You don't stop testifying. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they locked not their lives even unto death. They testified. You testify. You don't stop testifying. Don't wait for the big break. That is a big break. That is the seed for Goliath. Don't wait till Goliath comes down before you start sharing the testimony. Share the testimony of the lions and the bear. That is the seed for the harvest. All the small victories that you think are small, you meditate on it, you see they will start enlarging in your heart. That wow, this thing God did was not a small miracle. No. This was not a small thing. This was a huge, it was a big deal, really. Wow, God really saved me. You make a big deal out of every involvement of God in your life. You make a big deal out of it. Create your own altar. It does not matter your level of spirituality. You have altars. You just, you just have forgotten them. You didn't journal them. You have altars. Write them down. Journal. 
Number two, testify. And number three, remember. Remember. Can the choristers help me with, I remember what you've done for me. Your perfect sacrifice and victory. Can you help me quickly? Perfect sacrifice and victory. I remember what you deficient in faith, they are forgetful. Very forgetful. God did this, they didn't remember. How did you enter school? How did you survive school? You don't remember. How, how, did you, how, how are you able to be here today? You don't remember. And God shall help me. We shall, we shall. You give all the credits to yourself and your smartness. That's the problem. Now when you encounter a problem that is bigger than your smartness, you now come to God. But God knows you would also forget again. There's no faith to encounter this challenge, this new challenge. God has littered on your entire journey with testimonies. The seed for your harvest is right in your history. But you didn't remember, you forgot. When you build altars like that, you are growing your faith. And no fear can attack you at an altar. The devil can't meet you at an altar. He wants you to stray away from your altars by forgetting that's where he attacks you. While you are at your altar, you can't see the, the, the visage of the devil. You can't even see the similitude of that. It will be as far away from you because you carry altars around. It can't come against you with fear. Isn't everybody at the Valley of Ella, none of them, none of them, Manuela, eh? none of them. There's an Emanuela here. People call her Ella. 
So there's a valley called the Valley of Ella. <laughs> All right, at a valley, right? These guys gathered around Goliath and they were just observing him hearing all the negative words of doubt and they were soaking it all in grubbing it and just getting larger and larger in negativity fear and doubt then one man came with altars dealt with this guy and this was their covenant of Israel with them they had a covenant of God with them but they, they didn't remember they didn't remember all that God did for their forefathers in the, in, in the land of Egypt they didn't remember all of those things they forgot everything and then Goliath relative to the victories of the past Goliath is a small boy if you will just remember you will just remember if he parted the Red Sea who is Goliath that was the confidence with which they should have dealt with him but they were there 40 days no response and a boy came boy teenage boy so it's really not about the, the magnitude of the challenge or your, your size or age either it's the size of your memory the size of your memory. Do you really remember? How, what is the bandwidth of your memory in God? How far back can you remember the things God has done? Do you capture the things that God did when you were 11 years old? Can you remember? Well, because you didn't testify, you didn't journal, you didn't remember. So it has gone. You don't even remember the memory anymore. Those are altars. So your assignment today is very simple. Go back home and sit down. Try as much as possible to remember all the things, the significant things that God has done for you. Just remember them. Journal them. You'll be surprised how much faith will fill, fill that room. You'll be surprised. Faith will come and sit with you in that room. You'll be so confident about the future. Because he has done it before. He has done it in the past. He will do it again. Build faith in your inside. Can we pray in the Holy Ghost again as we wrap up this session? Can we just pray in the Holy Ghost? Every Satabala. Lord, we will not be forgetful hearers. We will not be forgetful of the things you have done for us. In us, through us. For us, we will not forget. 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 Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. For in Jesus' precious name we've prayed. I'd like us to wrap up this session with a shout for a reason. Because God is faithful. God is really faithful. Stand, please stand. God, God is so faithful and he deserves a shout. He deserves a shout. He deserves a shout. So when you're shouting, your attempt is to thank him for all he has done, which is a very high demand. But that's what your shout should reflect. So when I see people who are doing, oh, oh, this one, this one does not remember a lot. Does not remember a lot. Oh, oh, Lord. Remember who the winner is. Wow, what a word. 
For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.